Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. How are you all doing? Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihil kareem. Amma ba'd fa'a'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Rabbish rahli sadri wa yassirli amri. Wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma ahdi qalbi wa saddid lisani. Waslul sakhimata qalbi. Amin ya rabbil alameen. So inshallah today we will do Kitab Amal Fis Salah, the last few abwab of this book. And hopefully inshallah we will complete this book, inshallah. So we'll begin from bab number 13, which is bab, مَنْ صَفَّقَ جَاهِلًا مِنَ الرِّجَالِ فِي صَلَاتِهِ لَمْ تَفْسُدْ صَلَاتُهُ Bab chapter heading, مَنْ صَفَّقَ Whoever صَفَّقَ Tasfiq is to clap. So if a person claps, why, how, What's the reason? Jahilan, ignorantly, meaning out of ignorance, without knowing. Minar rijali, among men, meaning if a man claps in his salah by accident, fi salatihi, then lam tafsud salatuhu, then his salah is not corrupted, meaning it's not invalidated, it does not affect his prayer. Remember we learned earlier that the Prophet ﷺ said that tasfiq is for women and tasbih is for men. Meaning during salah, if a person has to draw other people's attention towards something that's important, then a man would say subhanallah and a woman is to clap. Correct? But what if a man claps by accident? Like for example, he doesn't know that the rule is to say subhanallah. And if there is something very important, something very urgent, and he needs to draw people's attention to it, and for that reason he claps either with both his hands, or he strikes his leg or something to make some kind of noise, then would that corrupt his prayer? Imam Bukhari says, No, lam tafsud salatuhu. And what's the proof of that? Fihi sahlu ibn Sa'din radiyallahu anhu anil nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Regarding this is the narration of Sahal bin Sa'ad from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And here Imam Bukhari is referring to the hadith that was mentioned earlier regarding the incident where Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu was leading salah in the absence of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And remember when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam came, Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu did not notice. And the people drew his attention to the Prophet's arrival by clapping, correct? And then the Prophet ﷺ led the prayer. So we see here that Imam Bukhari does not mention the entire hadith because it has been mentioned previously and it will come again. So he just makes a reference to it to prove an important point. Next bab, number 14. Bab, إِذَا قِيلَ لِلْمُصَلِّي تَقَدَّمْ أَوْ انْتَظِرْ فَانْتَظَرَ فَلَا بَأْسَ إِذَا قِيلَ When it is said, لِلْمُصَلِّي To the Musalli, Musalli is a person who is praying. So if the Musalli is told, تَقَدَّمْ تَقَدَّمْ Meaning, go forward. أَوْ انتظر, Or he is told, wait. فَلَا بَأْسَ Then there is no harm. What does it mean by this? That if a person is praying salah, and you're on duty, to make sure that all the rows are filled up, so for example, you see that there is a big gap in the row that is in front, alright, and there's a person praying on their own behind. So you come and tell them, please sister, move forward. Not while you're praying, you are on duty or you're about to join the prayer. So can you tell a musalli, move forward? Yes, you can. Or can you tell a musalli, wait? Wait for what? 
wait for a movement. Like for example, the musalli is about to go down into sajda and a child has thrown something in front of them. Right? So you tell the musalli just wait a little bit and you clear up the place of sajda. So is this permissible? Yes it is. Let's look at the ahadith that prove this. حدثنا محمد بن كثير أخبرنا سفيان عن أبي حازم عن سهل بن سعد رضي الله عنه قال كان الناس سهل بن سعد is reporting that the people would يصلون مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم they would pray with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم meaning behind him وهم عاقدوا أزرهم من الصغر على رقابهم وهم while they had عاقدوا Aqidu is to make an aqd. Aqidu are those who make an aqd. Aqd is to tie. So while they had tied up, uzrihim, their izars, meaning their clothes, min sigari because of their smallness, meaning because their clothes were so small, they had tied their clothes, where? Ala riqabihim, around their necks. So they would pray while wearing only one piece of cloth. Because that is all they could afford. And remember that for a man, while he's praying, it's necessary that he should cover both of his shoulders. So the awrah during salah, that has to be covered, the body that has to be covered is both the shoulders, the chest down all the way till below the knees for a man. Now, if outside of prayer, they're just wearing that shawl around their waist, and they cover one shoulder, okay. But during salah, you have to cover both the shoulders. Right? A man has to do that. So what would they do? Because they had only one cloth to maximize it, they would tie it around their necks so that it would drape down covering their entire aura. You understand? So those clothes were very small, those shawls were very small, but that's all they could afford, that's all they had. So they would tie it around their necks so that it would drape down and cover their body. But of course, if that was the case, when they would bend or when they would go into sajda, or when they would be getting up from sajda, what would happen? Part of their body would get exposed. And that would require them to readjust their clothing. You understand? So upon getting up, or upon moving from one position to the other, some men had to adjust their clothing to make sure that their aura was not being exposed. So this is the reason why, فَقِيلَ لِلنِّسَاءِ So it was said to the women, because women stand in the back, the men would be in the front, women at the back. Women were told, لا ترفعن رؤوسكن Do not raise your heads, meaning do not get up from rukur or from sajda, حتى يستوي الرجال جلوسا Until the men are sitting up straight, meaning until they have all gotten up and they have all adjusted themselves. So we see here in this hadith what is happening is that the women were told to delay getting up. Now technically if you're following the imam in prayer, what are you supposed to do? When imam says Allahu Akbar, you follow right away. You don't say, oh let me finish my dua, let me finish my surah. No, you cannot do that. You stop where you are and you get up, you move, you follow the imam. Right? But here the women are told, wait, don't get up immediately. What's the reason? Give the men some time to adjust their clothing. Because if the women would get up right away, what would happen accidentally, they may see the aura of the men. 
Alright? Now, in this hadith are many important lessons for us. But of course, what is of relevance is that it is correct to say to the musalli, wait a little, right? Or move forward, or move back, or move to the right, or move to the left. Such small instructions may be given to a musalli for the purpose of perfecting the prayer or performing the prayer properly. Alright? Now, what comes to your mind when you read this hadith? What do you understand? Before I begin the lessons, what have you understood from this hadith? Go ahead, sister. Okay, very important. That there was no barrier between the rows of the men and the rows of the women. In the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, there was no barrier. Could they put a barrier? Yes, they could. Because they put walls around the masjid. Alright? And if this was really essential, they could have put a barrier. So... We see that in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, there was no barrier. Women could see the men during their prayer. All right, And in a way, this is actually good because many times it happens, you walk into a women's section, you have no idea what position the men are in, and you're following the men, and you don't know if they made a mistake, if they got up, and then what happens after the salah? Complete chaos. Right? And unfortunately, we have also experienced this over here. However, we are so firm about the barrier that even if sometimes the barrier is partially removed, people get upset about it. Like for example here, we would like to at least have part of the barrier removed so that you can see the rows of the men. But it's the women themselves who do not like to sit like that. They want the barrier. I understand if you cover your face or if you want to focus in prayer, etc. But it's necessary to see the imam. Right? So you can sit on the side or something, but if you do see the barrier removed once in a while, there is no reason to criticize over there. And also, you know, personally I've experienced this, that many times women, you know, they will talk and talk and talk, sometimes even during the Jummah khutbah, because they feel completely cut off from the congregation there's a lecture going on or there's a small khatra going on during the taraweeh, like in the middle of the taraweeh, and the women are completely disconnected in their own worlds, talking amongst themselves, disconnected from the jama'ah. So we see that in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, there was no barrier. What else do we learn from this hadith? That if we are asked to move a little during the salah for the purpose of perfecting the rose, or for the purpose of helping somebody, it's okay, focus on the lesson. Okay, If somebody is walking somewhere to, to get something, you don't need to worry about that. You focus on the lesson. So if we are asked to move during salah, like for example, we are told, move to the right please, move to the left please. Or if somebody takes our hand and tries to move us to the side, don't become a firm pillar over there. Right? Refusing to move, refusing to budge. No. Move. It's okay for you to move. It will not break your prayer. And if you leave that space between yourself and the person next to you, guess who you're inviting? Shaitan. Right? So if somebody asks us to do something like that, don't get offended. Cooperate for the purpose of perfecting the prayer. Maybe they're not aware of filling up the gaps. So like you can softly like pull them near you while you are praying. Like Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. But you cannot tell them yeah. while you're praying, please they move. They just can move. If them. you exactly if you have not 
joined the prayer yet, like for example, you're coming to join the prayer, and you see a gap, you can tell the sisters, sisters, please move a little bit here, there, whatever, and then join the prayer. All right? And if you need to use your hand also, do so gently. Don't, you know, squeeze their arm and kind of pinch them and, you know, roughly pull them. Don't do that. Be very gentle and respectful. Another important thing we learn in this hadith is that if the ma'moom, ma'moom is the person who is praying behind the imam, does not follow the imam immediately for a reason such as this, then there is no harm. It's not like their prayer is invalidated. So for example, you are praying behind the imam and the imam goes into rukur and you notice that there are gaps in front of you. So instead of going into rukur and then walking, you just go into the row that is in front of you and then you go into rukur. It's perfectly fine. Even though there was a slight delay, there is no harm in that. The best is that you follow the imam immediately. But if there is a legitimate reason, then if you delay a little... Alright, then there is no harm in that. Also an important thing about the poverty that the companions lived in. They didn't even own two pieces of cloth. Many of them owned only one piece of cloth. One piece. And with that, they covered their bodies. And then we see that another important thing we learn in this hadith is that if part of your body gets exposed during salah. Hmm? Then does that break your salah? Like for example, you're praying salah and uh, all of a sudden you realize that your neck feels really cold. And then you put your hand and you realize that your neck is exposed. And you wonder, oh my God, this is my fourth rakah. Have I been like this throughout my salah? Like what's going on? If a person is praying and a child pulls on them and pulls their hijab off or pulls their, sometimes their clothes off, it happens. Right? Children pull. So if that happens and a person's aura gets exposed, what about that? So remember that there's a couple of things here. First of all, there is minor aura and then there is major aura. A major aura is a part of the body that must be covered. Okay? Must be covered. In salah, outside of salah. So for example, for a man, his thighs, for a woman, her back or her stomach. This is major aura. But let's say it so happens that the wind blows and you know a person is in sajda and their dress kind of lifts up. It's possible. These situations may happen. A person is praying, a child pulls on their skirt, part of their thigh gets exposed and they readjust it immediately, but this can happen. A man is praying and as he goes into sajda, his shirt lifts up and his back is exposed. Something like this may happen. So this is what? Major aura being exposed. Minor aura is part of your body that should be covered. Like for example, for a woman, her arms, her neck, according to one opinion, her feet, according to, to the other opinion, feet are not aura. But there is a difference of opinion over there. Ankles. So they should be covered. But let's say a woman is praying, her dress is long enough, so her ankles are covered, her feet are covered. But then what happens as she goes into rukur, the front of her feet slightly gets exposed. Right? 
This is minor aura. Okay? This is what? Minor aura. Alright. Then there are two other things, which is that one is that your aura is exposed for a long time. Okay? Long time as in entire raka'ah or throughout the salah. So for example, a woman is praying, her hijab blows off and it's her third raka'ah. And the hijab has gone off like, it's flying away like a kite. It can happen. She's in her third rakah. There's an entire rakah left. If she runs after the hijab, that's too much walking. This kind of movement would technically invalidate the prayer. Can she continue a prayer like that without the hijab? No, because it's her head that's exposed. You understand? It's a part of the body that must be covered during salah. So that's a long time. And the other is that something is exposed for a very short time. Like for example... Like I said, you go into the court, part of your feet is, is exposed, but then you get up right away. Or you move your dress to cover your ankle. You understand? So it was exposed for like two or three seconds. Maximum a minute. You understand? So these are different scenarios. So when you look at all these situations, there are four possibilities. Okay? When you look at all of these situations, there are four possibilities. So what are their rulings? The first possibility is that major aura gets exposed for a very short time. Major aura gets exposed for a very short time. Like for example, the sahaba over here, they're praying, alright? But as they're going into sujood, as they're getting up, you know, they have to readjust their clothing and in that their thigh shows, for example, so this is major aura being exposed for a short time. Does that invalidate the prayer? Does that invalidate the prayer? No, it does not. Because in this hadith we see the men were not told, repeat your prayer. Right? They were expected to adjust their clothing. Correct? And the women were told, you delay a little in getting up. But the men were not told to repeat their prayer. So this shows that if major aura gets exposed for a short time, it does not break the prayer. The second possibility is that major aura gets exposed for a long time. Like the hijab flying away. And you have an entire rakar left. So in that situation, what would happen? What would happen? The prayer is invalidated. But let's say you are praying salah, and some child comes and pulls your hijab, and your hijab is that slippery kind of hijab, and it just completely falls off. For instance, right? it falls off. Now your head is exposed. It should be covered. And it's a lot of body that is being exposed. But then immediately you just take it, all right? you put it on again, and you wrap it as quickly as possible. But your hair was exposed, your neck was exposed, your head was exposed. But only for a few seconds because you quickly managed to put your hijab back on again. Is your salah broken? No, it's not. But let's say he took the hijab and ran away. Now what? It's gone. You're going to have to turn around, walk towards it, too much walking, too much movement. And you can't just continue your prayer like that. If it was just before the salam, you're making your dua and he comes and yanks off your hijab and runs off with it, you can just quickly end your prayer. 
that would be fine. But if he's gone off with it, then your salah is gone. Provided that you have a lot of prayers still left. The third possibility is minor awrah being exposed for a short time. Is the salah invalid then? No, it's not. What about minor awrah being exposed for a long time? Minor awrah being exposed for a long time. Like for example, you're praying and your feet are exposed throughout your prayer. If you follow the opinion, if you believe that, feet must be covered. A woman's feet must be covered during salah. But let's say she's praying in shalwar kameez. Alright? And her shalwar comes right to her ankles. Her ankles are covered but the feet are exposed. Will you say to the sister, sister your salah is not valid? Will you say that to her? Even if you strongly believe that the feet must be covered, can you say to her that your salah is not valid? No, you cannot. Because it's minor awrah being exposed for a long time. Okay? Is it clear? So basically, the only time when your salah would break because of the exposure of your awrah is when it's major awrah or a big part of your body that is being exposed for a very long time. How easy our religion is. Sometimes you see that the person, you know, that a person is praying, okay, and let's say their neck gets exposed or their back gets exposed or something. Now, the first thing is that before we start praying, we should be careful about these things, right? But if you see somebody else in a position like that, can you adjust their clothing for them? It depends on how they will take it from you. That if you know them, and they won't get offended, go ahead and adjust. But if it's their first time, and you start adjusting their neck, and then their, you know, their ankles and everything else, they're going to run away from that masjid. So the thing is, people are very sensitive when it comes to religion. You know, we're not that sensitive when it comes to other things, but when it comes to the deen, we get very sensitive about it. So you have to be aware of how people are, right? Another thing is that once it happened, I saw somebody was praying and their hijab was tucked into their abaya from the back. So somebody came and, you know, they adjusted their hijab. So they took their hijab out of the abaya. So when this person finished the prayer, they're like, who messed my hijab up? Because I had put it like that on purpose so that my hair would not come out. So somebody had come and taken their hijab out of their abaya, out of niceness, but they kind of disturbed their hijab, you know, and as a result they disturbed their salah. So be careful when you do help somebody out. Be very sure that they actually need your help and they will be willing to take your help. And if you feel confident there, only then go ahead and do something. Alright? So these are the four scenarios. Bab number 15. لا يرد السلام في الصلاة لا يرد He should not return السلام The greeting في الصلاة in prayer. Meaning the musalli should not return the greeting while he's praying. So if a person is praying salah and somebody comes and greets them, should they respond to their greeting by saying wa alaykum as-salam? No, you don't do that. Why? Because saying wa alaykum as-salam to a person would be talking to people. And talking to people is not allowed during salah. 
حدثنا عبد الله بن ابي شيبه حدثنا ابن فضيل عن الاعمش عن ابراهيم عن علقمه عن عبد الله قال كنت اسلم على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو في الصلاه فيرد علي عبد الله رضي الله عنه reported that i used to greet the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam while he would be praying and he would actually respond to my greeting but falamma raja'na but then when we returned and this is referring to their return from abyssinia sallamtu alayhi I greeted him, فَلَمْ يَرُدَّ عَلَيَّ And he did not respond to me. وَقَالَ And he later told me that إِنَّ فِي الصَّلَاةِ شُغْلًا The prayer is occupation enough. Meaning in prayer, I cannot respond to you, I cannot talk to you. In prayer, I have to focus on salah only. And we have done this hadith earlier. حدثنا أبو معمر حدثنا عبد الوارث حدثنا كثير بن شنظير عن عطاء بن أبي رباح عن جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنهما قال بعثني رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في حاجة له جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنه is narrating that بعثني رسول الله the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم sent me في حاجة concerning some need له of his Meaning he sent me for some work. So I went and did that work. فَانْطَلَقْتُ And then I returned. I came back to him. He sent me to do some work. I did it. I came back to him. So فَانْطَلَقْتُ I went to do it. And ثُمَّ رَجَعْتُ I came back. وَقَدْ قَضَيْتُهَا While I had done that work. فَأَتَيْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ So I came to the Prophet صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَسَلَّمْتُ عَلَيْهِ And then I greeted him. So the Prophet ﷺ sent him to do some work. He went, he did it, he came back, he came to the Prophet ﷺ and greeted him. فَلَمْ يَرُدَّ And the Prophet ﷺ did not respond to me. He did not answer me. فَوَقَعَ فِي قَلْبِي So there happened, there came in my heart, مَاللَّهُ أَعْلَمُ بِهِ What Allah knows best. Meaning I felt something in my heart that Allah knows. I don't need to mention. فَقُلْتُ فِي نَفْسِي And I said in myself, meaning in my heart, لَعَلَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ That perhaps the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم وَجَدَ عَلَيَّ أَنِّي أَبْطَأْتُ عَلَيْهِ Maybe he found that I delayed in obeying him. Maybe the Prophet ﷺ felt that I took too long. So he's not happy with me. So this is why when I'm saying salam to him, he's not even answering me. ثُمَّ سَلَّمْتُ عَلَيْهِ So I greeted him again. فَلَمْ يَرُدَّ عَلَيَّ And again, he did not respond to me. فَوَقَعَ فِي قَلْبِي So there happened in my heart, أَشَدُّ مِنَ الْمَرَّةِ الْأُولَى Something worse than the first time. Because you know being rejected the first time, yes it's painful. But being rejected the second time, it's even more painful, it hurts. ثُمَّ سَلَّمْتُ عَلَيْهِ And then I greeted him again. فَرَدَّ And then he answered me. فَقَالَ And he said, إِنَّمَا مَنَعَنِي أَنْ أَرُدَّ عَلَيْكَ أَنِّي كُنْتُ أُصَلِّي the reason why I did not respond to you was because I was praying. وَكَانَ عَلَى رَاحِلَتِهِ And Jabir radiallahu anhu said that the Prophet ﷺ at this time was on his rahila, on his animal, مُتَوَجِّهًا إِلَى غَيْرِ الْقِبْلَةِ 
And he was not facing the Qibla. So what happened over here is that this was the expedition of Banu Mustalaq. So they were on a journey. In the journey, right, this narration is also found in Sahih Muslim and Abu Dawood. And when you look at all the different narrations together, you understand what exactly happened. So they were on the expedition of Banu Mustalaq. They were traveling. And while they're traveling, the Prophet ﷺ told Jabir anhu to do something. And the Prophet ﷺ was riding his animal. So Jabir anhu came back after having done that work. He came back to report that it was done. He began with salam. But when he greeted the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ did not answer. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ was praying. Now how come Jabir radiallahu anhu did not realize that the Prophet ﷺ was praying? Because he was on his animal, he was not facing the Qibla. So he did not realize that, oh, he's praying. He just thought, he's not looking at me even. He's so upset with me. Right? But he did not stop there. He greeted again and he greeted again. Three times he greeted. What happens with us is that if we greet somebody and we think they're upset with us, we're like, never again. Fine, be that way. Alright? You don't want to talk to me? I don't want to talk to you. But we see Jabir radiallahu anhu, he's greeted the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa three times. And the reason why he did that is because he didn't know the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was praying. So, what we learn in another narration is, in the narration of Abu Dawood and Muslim, that Jabir radiallahu anhu said that when I came back, فَكَلَّمْتُهُ I spoke to him. And here we see what was that speech that was salam. فَقَالَ لِي بِيَدِهِ هَكَذَا And he gestured to me with his hand like this. So the Prophet ﷺ gestured with his hand. Now imagine somebody is sitting, they're not looking at you, and when you say salam, they move their hand like this. They just move it up a little or down towards the ground. Like they move their hand like this or like up or down because both narrations are there. So this is why Jabir anhu felt that the Prophet ﷺ was upset with him. Because A, he did not say wa alaykum as and B, he moved his hand. Now the Prophet ﷺ was actually responding to the greeting with the gesture of his hand. Because that is something we are allowed to do. Correct? But he was not responding to his greeting in words. Because that's something we're not allowed to do. Right? So this is why Jabir radiallahu anhu misunderstood. And then we see that by the third time, the Prophet wasallam had ended his prayer. He had ended his prayer. And it seems like at this time, the Prophet wasallam was towards the end of his prayer in tashahud. And this is why the hands were not on the chest. And this is the reason why Jabir radiallahu anhu could not tell at all that the Prophet wasallam was praying. So what we see in this hadith is that when you're praying and somebody talks to you like 10 times even, you don't answer them. If you're praying and somebody comes and greets you 10 times or talks to you 10 times, asks you a question 10 times, you don't respond to them in words. Because if you respond to them with words, your salah is broken. Can you gesture with the hand for the greeting? Yes, you can. We have discussed this earlier that if you are praying and somebody is calling you or they need your attention and if it's a fard salah and you cannot break your prayer, then you have to let them know somehow. And how do you let them know? You clap 
or for men they say tasbih if you are performing jahri salah like fajr maghrib or isha you can recite out loud so that they will hear you but if you're praying a sirri salah like dhuhr and asr you don't recite out loud right in that case you can just clap or you know for men they can say subhanallah even women the scholars have said that in this situation they could say subhanallah to let the people know and if it's voluntary prayer like you're performing your sunnah after dhuhr and there is a doorbell right somebody knocked on the door and you know that it's the delivery guy and if you don't take you know the mail then you're going to have to go to the post office so can you break your salah yes like the story we learned of the man who the monk who did not break his prayer and his mother prayed against him she got so upset right so voluntary prayer you can break but the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam it seems from this narration that he was right towards the end of the prayer so really it did not make sense for him to break the prayer and it wasn't something so urgent that he would have to break the prayer so this is why he continued right and when he ended the prayer he explained to jabir radhiyallahu anhu very important what happens with us is that we get so offended why are they disturbing me in my prayer don't they know that i'm praying and as soon as we finish our prayer we start yelling at them don't you know even this much i gestured with my hand you don't even know this much fiqh of salah what do you know right we we kind of belittle them for their lack of knowledge or for their lack of understanding we get more upset with them but look at the gentleness of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he's not upset he just clarified after his salah this is the reason why he didn't answer also it is important for us to remember that if we find somebody praying let's not disturb them so for example somebody is praying and you're like assalamu alaikum i mean if it's something like you're entering the house and you say salam that's different but you walk into the room somebody's praying you sit down assalamu alaikum so first of all now they're being rushed in their prayer because you have come and you're sitting down and now you're saying salam you're disturbing them so don't do that did you want to say something yes i just have a question for the previous uh, hadith mm-hmm. so you were mentioning about the major aura and the minor aura and in the minor aura you also mentioned the for example the wrist So the fourth condition was minor aura exposed for a long time. So mm-hmm. you just gave the example of the feet, right? Yeah, same And thing for the wrist. About the wrist yeah. or the little yeah. arm. Yeah, so for example, you know, you are praying salah, all right? And your sleeves are like really baggy kind, like really big. And then what happens is you don't realize and your sleeve has fallen and you realize that for the entire duration, you know, you recited surah al-Fatiha, you recited surah al-Naba, and then you realize that half of your arm was being exposed. It's okay. Well, some people if they wear like three-fourth sleeves, so is it like okay or? Okay, so now the question is, can you begin your prayer like yeah. that? No. No, right? You should not. Yeah. Right? You should not begin your prayer like that, saying that oh, you know, my arm is half exposed or my ankles are exposed. No, you cannot begin your prayer like that. Okay. 